are live. We are live. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast on this Friday the 13th. Thank you all for joining us here. Uh, Remember, if you're new here, please smash the like button and of course, subscribe if you have not already. And uh, before we dive into it, I do need to mention that Zach and I are just two excited members of the EOS community talking about open source software and nothing we say should ever be taken as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. If you listen to us online, you will likely get get wrecked. The tokens we talk about, we likely do own for disclosure purposes as well. So, Zach, what are we talking about today? What's going on? Well, for, first things first, uh, Cypher Glass, you supported the the Trezor wallet bounty, $50,000 given to community yeah. developers for developing a community tool like a good community block producer. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can uh, check out that transaction if you want. Search rob.vr on any block explorer and you'll see it going to the support Trezor account. Uh, so the 50000 has been paid, and that officially wraps up the entire $100,000 EOS hardware wallet bounty. So you can now store EOS and EOS tokens on both Ledger devices and Trezor. So super excited about it and glad to be able to do that for the community. So Ahmed, I, I'm not even going to try to say his last name, in the chat here, he just asked about this EOS play attack. Like this literally, I just found out about it as we yeah. were getting on the air. So I don't really know a whole lot. Uh, but right now I'm, I'm hearing that the main that's kind of congested with CPU and some uh, gambling app is getting like drained of EOS right now. What's going yeah, on? From the from the little little research I, I did, the little time I had right before this episode when I found out about it, it looks like a similar attack that happened to DICE and some of these other casinos in the past um, where you can basically sort of trick the platform into making you win every single time and they just slowly drain the entire bankroll over time. So hopefully the EOS play team is aware and uh, is working on on solving that. So let's get on the good news. We didn't really expect to have a little a little weird thing in the in the beginning there. So Pios uh, surprisingly just launched some staking protocol this morning or yeah. yesterday. I saw. Yeah. Uh, so this is super exciting. It's it's way sooner than I thought. Um, people had been talking about staking, myself included, just as kind of an idea, like just just two weeks ago or even last week. And now to see it implemented already was was really exciting. But essentially, the way it works is. The main function of staking is for security. So in the same way that you can stake your EOS tokens as a method to you know, recover your account if someone steals your active key, you have that three-day period to sort of recover your account before they can take your tokens. You now have that functionality in POS as well. But what's really interesting about POS staking is that uh, similar to staking directs, you can stake to the POS relay, which is that obfuscation system that, that sort of helps people anonymously send transactions. And you can actually earn POS by staking your POS from the fees that people pay to use that anonymous relay. So it's really cool. It'll add liquidity to the relay. Um, it, it should make the system work better. And uh, of course, POS holders can earn a little bit of passive POS income as a result of staking as well, which is a pretty amazing feature. I, I thought the coolest thing was that, that the, the money comes out of fees and not inflation. Yeah, uh, yeah I, POS I, is, I is no inflation. Like it's a, it's a, a totally fixed supply system. There's there's no inflation on top of it. So basically, if I have private POS, you know, if I want to send public POS, I can send it publicly, just like I send any other EOS token or EOS itself. But if I want to send POS privately, um, you can send it through what's called the POS relay, so that the POS relay will actually allow you to pay a little bit of a fee in POS to pay for the RAM necessary to send that private POS transaction. Um, and now that that little bit of a, a POS fee will actually go to those POS holders that are staked to the relay. So it's pretty cool. You can do it in the POS wallet. I believe you can stake to the relay on blocks as well. I think they just added that functionality. So it's cool to see it adopted already. We're, we were just talking about this uh, before we went on the air. Uh, 
so with POS, you could send private POS transactions currently, but at the moment you can't send like a private EOS transaction, like using the POS protocol, right? Like if I wanted that's to, right. yeah, because like yeah, it only it only works with the actual POS token. That's that's the the token that has a sort of dual feature. You can send it publicly like normal, or you can send it privately either to another POS address or from a POS address to a public EOS account for one-way privacy in that in that uh, situation. Yeah, the, the reason I bring it up is because in case anyone hasn't uh, heard yet, uh, Binance stopped serving uh, United States citizens. Was it September 12th? Is that yesterday? Uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, Rest in peace. Yeah, so if you still have tokens on Binance, fear not. They did not disable withdrawals, but they did with uh, uh, stop you from trading. So the reason I brought up the POS thing was because before, if you wanted to like kind of spread out your tokens and like not associate two accounts, you send some to Binance, then you withdraw them from Binance to like account B. Uh, now you can't do that. So I, I guess for the time being, uh, no one's going to be able to to do that. Um, right. But yeah, we'll I mean, you can, of course, <laughs> you can use something else like Coinbase or, or whatever it might be. And I guess eventually Binance US. Um, but of course, if you've KYC'd there, then you lose that an anonymity. So POS seems like one of the best ways to still you know, transfer from one account to the other by converting to POS and then converting back to EOS on the other side or even leaving some of it in POS and staking to that relay. There's other, I, I mean, it's not like you're trying to hide yourself from like the feds or like you're doing something illegal. It's more or less just usually for privacy because you want to like play a game or something. You don't want them to see like like everything else you do necessarily oh absolutely in the same way that i don't want to link my you know public rob.vr account to the account that holds my eos and other investments i i want to keep all of that separate so it's a really good way for me to to you know regain some of the privacy that i have lost in uh, the recent months so kind of ties into privacy and i'll get into why i had this graphic up on the screen on accident whenever we kicked off the show but follow my vote came out of retirement that they tweeted out this tweet I have on screen. They said, we are considering giving the United States parallel presidential election another shot in November, 2020. So this, this is really big news because we've talked about this team at follow my vote before. Um, for, for those who don't follow the show, follow my vote. It is a, a project that they, they built this tool, it was on the BitShares blockchain in 2016, and it basically allows um, like a voter to cast a ballot and they could follow their vote all the way to the ballot box. But for like the audit trail of the ballot box, they could trace that the vote happened from a real person, but they can't like trace it back to the actual per person who voted it. And they actually have a, a blockchain patent that I have up on the screen where, where they share it with Dan Larimer. So... Yeah. <laughs> this patent was was filed uh october 19th 2016 uh the the first code was committed to eosio in april 2017 so this like wasn't too far off that they were all working together with dan larimer on the the this patent here um and the other interesting thing about this team is that nathan hort the cto of follow my vote he actually wrote like the first 30 lines of of, of github uh on the GitHub code repo for EOSIO. He, he committed oh, code wow. before Dan even did. But um, <laughs> as far, I don't, I don't think Nathan's like with block one at, the, I, I'm, I'm sure he's not with block one at the moment. Uh, but the cool backstory to this follow my vote stuff is that it wasn't really a plan to like go for this again. Like after 2016, it, it didn't work out. Dan went on to launch EOSIO. 
I, I think, I, I don't know what Nathan and uh, Adam were doing, but whenever all of our videos came out, back in the the spring and the b1 june like ramp up and we were talking about yeah. all the parallel election stuff it actually made it all the way back to the follow my vote team and it actually motivated them the the, the ceo and the cto they, they said they wanted to get the band back together um wow. i've been helping them behind the scenes trying to connect them with the right teams anyone that could help them uh is and we've, we've had a small group of like 15 of us all, all trying to like just make the connections that they need. But uh, with, with the time running out, I mean, the election's what, 14 months away, 15 months away. Yeah. Uh, they needed to get going. So they, they threw this tweet up to get some extra attention because uh, it seems like they need some help with this. And they have a web form uh, on the link on their tweet. So if anyone wants to help them out, check that out. And one last thing I'll bring up is this old... Uh, telegram message from Dan Larimer on April 3rd, uh, 2000, I think this is 2018. This is um, whenever we started speculating about Follow My Vote, but at the, it, it turns out at the time that the team wasn't actually building anything. They started building things again because of us talking about this and Dan talking about it. But on the message on the screen, someone asked Dan, could we see a USA 2020 election vote on EOS blockchain? And then Dan said he hoped at least a parallel election will be carried out on EOSIO. Um, you want to kind of explain what a parallel election is so we don't like let people get the wrong impression of what this is? Yeah, so this isn't the actual United States election happening on, on a blockchain, but what it is is a, a parallel election, an election running at the same time as the normal election. So I believe they pick people out of polling centers or people online to basically cast your vote again on a blockchain, and then they sort of compare the results from that parallel election that's publicly verifiable to the one that, of course, is not. Uh, our current voting system is incredibly opaque and uh, really lacks transparency in a lot of different ways. All right, so let's just continue moving along here, why don't we? The big topic yeah. is, I think for a moment, 30 out of 30, but right now 29 out of 30 BPs have already approved, they not only approved, but they I think they validated that the software is ready to upgrade to 1.8. You wanna explain this one? Yeah, so this is the big EOSIO update that we've all been waiting for on the EOS mainnet. It, of course, is that update that's required to launch the voice.com beta. So after this upgrade happens on September 23rd, just 10 days from today, from the time this is being recorded, uh, voice.com will be possible and the ball will move from our court back into the court of block one. And I expect to hear from them. Uh, shortly after that on maybe a release date or at least a hint at the voice.com beta. And it's totally possible that they even just release it right then. But of course, I'm not holding my breath. But essentially, that killer feature that Block One is waiting for in that 1.8 update is the ability for dApps to pay for resources on behalf of their users. So instead of you know each individual user that they sign up having to buy some EOS and worry about staking the CPU and NAD and do they have enough, Instead of all of that, they can abstract that away from the user, make a much better user experience where the contract just pays for it all automatically. And we know Block One, with close to 100 million EOS in their account, I think 96 million EOS now, they have plenty of CPU and plenty of net to uh, support all of their users and pay for all of their transactions. So it's a, a pretty killer feature. And in addition to that, there are some interesting governance updates that allow BPs that don't have infrastructure that miss a certain number of rounds of blocks to be automatically kicked and then can rejoin later once their infrastructure is up. So some good network improvements as well. And all of that, of course, is coming on September 23rd, so 10 more days. And that's the same day that the backed, uh, physically settled Bitcoin futures platform launches too. So it should be a really exciting day for crypto overall. I'm, I'm super pumped for it because we don't know 
that that voice is like coming out at the same time as 1.8 like i I, i'd say don't expect that to happen or else you'll probably be disappointed but voice could not happen until 1.8 so we 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 knew for sure when it wasn't going to come out and that now it's going to be possible and we've talked about this on the show before but uh we are teased eosio 2.0 at b1 june and there's only one more decimal there's 1.9 that we might see but then it's going to be 2.0 and I, I saw, I was looking through the GitHub, uh, doing some research for, for today's show, and they're already up to EOSIO 1.8.3. They just released, I think, oh, yesterday. Wow. So they're continuously up- upgrading the software and uh, mostly just fixing bugs, but they're moving quick. And what do you, what do you think about 2.0? I, I know everyone's excited for voice, yeah. but I, I know vo- voice... The, my problem with speculating on voice is because there's so many things out of block one's control and our control. It's, it's all up to the regulators and the lawmakers with voice, but with 2.0, it, it none of those limitations exist. It, it's going to be here when it, when it's ready. And that, that's Absolutely. what, that's why I'm focusing on 2.0. Yeah. I mean, my personal speculation on 2.0 is that block one in the same way that they're waiting for 1.8 to launch voice or give us any more details on that. I think it's likely the same with 2.0, where they don't want to release 2.0 if the EOS mainnet uh, can't upgrade it and, and sort of implement it right away. So my sort of personal speculation is that they're probably waiting on that as well. And I would expect to hear more on that um, sometime after the 1.8 upgrade is successful. And a lot of people have been you know, sort of throwing shade at Block 1 on Twitter saying, why haven't we heard from you? Why is there no release date? And it makes perfect sense why there isn't a release date, because if something is out of their control, like the 1.8 upgrade, they don't want to promise a release date and say, hey, this is coming out in October, if then the update fails, and then all of a sudden they can't deliver on that promise. So they want to make sure that all the pieces that are out of their control are in place first before they make some kind of a release date announcement. So once 1.8 is out, like I said, ball is back in their court, and then uh, then the, the Twitter pressure can be applied again. I, I, I take comfort, even though I complain about it, with Dan... Dan, if you look at his uh, Telegram user, he hasn't been logged into Telegram for over a month. And yeah. we know he's been quiet. And we know Brendan's been quiet. They've both tweeted a little bit, but nothing compared to how they used to engage with the community. And I'd like to think in the back of my mind that they're being quiet on purpose because they're they're hopefully biddling like, like we hope everyone else is doing who's quiet. Uh, but but someone who wasn't quiet recently was Colin Talks Crypto, and <laughs> for very very good reason he did not stay quiet. So you want to kind of kick this off? I know Colin just put a video out. I didn't expect him to tell the story so soon. So everyone probably already heard this, but it's in my yeah. notes. So Rob, Rob's going to walk us through what went down here. Yeah, if you want to hear from his perspective, search Colin Talks Crypto on YouTube, and you'll find that video in his channel. Awesome channel. Highly recommend you subscribe. But Uh, Essentially what happened, there's a a conversation here that I want to read, and this is a screenshots that uh, Colin shared on Twitter at Colin T Crypto. So uh, supposedly this is coming from EOS block producer EOS Lambda, and uh, this is how the conversation went. EOS Lambda said, give us the authority of the proxy, meaning the Colin Talks Crypto proxy. We're responsible for doing the node, and the income is distributed to the users who actually hold the EOS every day. Users who give EOS to your account can get revenue every day. And Colin says, let me know if I understand this correctly. You want me to give you control of the proxy to select what VPs you want, and in exchange, you will provide daily rewards to the voters of this proxy. A couple of questions. Do you work for an existing block producer exchange, and how does this change benefit me personally? 
they went on to say, you understand very well. I've been working on the EOS node for a long time. Our BP is EOS Lambda Com before the top 21. We talk about the proportion of paying shareholders and we will re reserve a portion to pay you. The greatest benefit, benefit, you create income for the shareholders. This way your proxy will be stable. You see that other agents have lost all the investors. That Colin goes on and says, yeah, go ahead. It's, it, they're so far like away from reality here of like, what what is like what would happen if if colin just switched all of his votes here like he would lose all of his not all of them but he'd lose the majority of his voters uh oh absolutely for going I mean, through with this like what would happen if like we have the everything is proxy we're much smaller than colin what would happen if one day we just switched out all of our votes and we're like all right we'll keep voting for cypher glass but we're just gonna vote for all of these other bps that you've never heard of before oh yeah <laughs> like, i mean it, it we really lose our votes the, absolutely it shows that cultural disconnect um, where they really don't understand why people are voting for Collins proxy or even the, the IWAD proxy, which we'll talk about in just a bit. The, the reason why people are voting for that is because they trust the people like Colin who run that proxy to vote for good block producers, not to sell out to somebody like this. So th that disconnect is very apparent in this conversation. And he goes on, um, Colin continues, he says, I understand you're basically asking me to sell out. The reason my proxy has votes cast for it is because people trust me. You're asking me to betray that trust. No thanks, start your own proxy. And then EOS Lambda continues, no, this is creating value for them. And Colin says, you're free to send rewards to my voters, but I am not going to let you pick the BPs for me using my name. If your pure motivation is creating value for my voters, then you should be fine with sending them money now. And uh, EOS Lambda continues with the final sentence, creating value is mutual. We have to discuss a standard so that we can cooperate for a long time. I am not a philanthropist. So really hey. interesting conversation. And honestly, a huge shout out to Colin. Go subscribe to him. Colin Talks Crypto on YouTube for exposing this and uh, really bringing it to the top of the table. It's, and it's really pe pe people aren't just risking their reputations doing this. They're risking their uh, YouTube channels now. Shit's, shit got real. Oh, so yeah, it's crazy. in this thread, uh, Colin talked about how he was approached by this Lambda BP and then I have up on the screen, Iwad investing with a difference. Ramon, he's been on the show before. He said he got very similar messages from the same person, from the same BP. And then uh, an hour later, uh, he posted on Twitter that he actually got like a spam attack on YouTube. His channel got suspended or like downgraded to something. So like, I guess if he posts a video now, it has to go through like a review process. I don't, I don't yeah. know the whole situation. But it only happened after he he kind of stood up and shared these conversations about um, uh, th these conversations. And I think Luke Stokes said he got messaged also, who's another big proxy. Wow. I I, I guess we're not cool enough. We're not big enough to get approached by these <laughs> by these uh, vote buying. Uh, I don't even know if he's a whale or not, but. Let's just talk about this. Like, let's. So we, yeah. we got through this story, but like, let's break down what's happening now because uh, you said something before we went on the air that this is like the first chink in the armor here. Uh, you kind of want to kind of explain that to everyone else. It really is. It seems like that first crack where like a lot of this stuff has been sort of prevented from reaching the surface where we all kind of knew that this was happening. We knew that votes were being traded and sold and and that this kind of activity was was sort of out in the open with things like the new POS proxy and things like that, but. To actually see a conversation like this between a proxy owner and somebody from EOS Lambda is really crazy to see and, and is the first time we've gotten an inside look into how this quote-unquote cartel is operating on EOS. And it's clear that profit is their ultimate motivation. But I think what's most fascinating about this is that 
if you look at the top block producer, for example, they have close to 300 million EOS, and most of the quote-unquote cartel BPs are 200 million plus EOS, a massive amount of EOS. That's 20 to 30 percent of all EOS that exists today. So why risk you know this being exposed by going after a proxy like Colin Talks Crypto with 7 million EOS, which is a lot of EOS, but relative to 200 or 300 million is a very low number. It's kind of odd to me that they would sort of risk it all to, to, to try to get more EOS, but maybe that is the ultimate goal here is total control, which is a, a really scary thought and kind of a scary uh, path to follow. You still there? I can't hear you. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I have like I have a I, I used like the mute button so you didn't hear me typing. Um, no. So I don't like how this is all or nothing type of type of things. Uh, EOS Radio this week actually had a really interesting episode on voter rewards because with this stuff going on, like there's no putting this genie back in the bottle. Like, do you think that Western BPs should partake in any kind of voter rewards to to try to compete with this uh, because there's like there's no on-chain mechanism to stop it basically if you can't enforce you know, the rules yeah i personally don't think so i think ultimately the only way to solve something like this is to fundamentally change the way that rewards are paid and that consensus is sort of reached um on the network and the the eu's new york proposal is i think the best bet at actually changing that where um without saying too much it, it would sort of separate profit from the the block production process where all of these people that are that are in it for the profit the only reason why they're spinning up all these bps and standby bps that are just sock puppets owned by the same person the reason why they're doing that is because that's the way that you extract value from the system but if you change the way that value is extracted maybe for by not voting or, or doing something else entirely or at a cost of voting i think you can solve a lot of these issues because of course if the incentives are in place to encourage behavior like this that behavior is going to continue and we shouldn't expect it to just magically stop we have to fundamentally change that underlying system in order to change the incentives and thus change the behavior. So uh, I'm really rooting for that EOS New York proposal. I know the guys have been working on it for several months now um, and are, are hopefully almost to the point where they can talk more about it publicly and, and release some more details. But from what I've heard about it, it, it seems to be our, our best bet at really making a change that not only benefits those in the West and the sort of culture and ide ideology that we want to see on the chain, but also benefits those in the East that are really at this uh, just to make as much money as possible. So the all or nothing like proxy voting is I think what, what makes me the most against this because it, it seems like there's a lot of people open to the reward sharing. So I, I get that P people uh, want, want to earn it like passive, re passive income. But whenever someone approaches a Colin Talks crypto or Luke Stokes proxy and they're like, vote for all 30 of these block producers and then we'll share rewards. Like that's bullshit. Like no, you're, you're basically trading your reputation for a little bit of rewards. But what if like you could meet in the middle somewhere? Like what if a proxy, like we're voting for, I think six or seven block producers right now who aren't in paid positions. And we're right. uh, like, uh, we'll, we'll get into a new BP we voted for here in a second, but what if we, we were able to take 25 votes and this, this isn't just our proxy. This, this could be an individual voter, let's just say, but what if like you could vote 25 votes for like great independent BPs, and then like five votes with BPs that may, maybe you do enough due diligence to know that they're not like terrible and you could find some information on them, but they are sharing like someone like Stardios. 
Stardios has a pretty high reputation with what they're doing. Same with new decks. But like all the other stuff they're doing, all these puppet block producers, I just don't like it. But I, I think in, in these groups of vote buying block producers, I think you could probably find five of them that are actually running good infrastructure, doing a decent job on the network, and they're sharing rewards. So like, I, I wish there was like a common ground here and a balance because this all or nothing it isn't going to work. Like we can, if you're completely against reward sharing, like that, that's fine. But if, if we can't stop it, it's just going to frustrate everyone. And even with the ES New York governance uh, proposal that I, I have yet to see, uh, I think Colin from Colin Talks Crypto said, was teasing that he may have seen it too. I have not. Uh, I, I don't know enough about it to, to really give a valid argument, but uh, I would like to see, uh, I, I've seen it teased, but bar, barring whatever EOS New York puts out, because that could all be inval- this could all be invalidated if something good comes out. Uh, but like a, a voter, uh, uh, like a, a reward sharing exchange where you could basically see a list of all the block producers and then just... Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm getting into the weeds here. Let, let's move on to the next topic. I, I didn't I didn't really want to get into this because I I am against this stuff. Our block producer does not accept any types of of, of vote votes, and when the day comes, if we ever do, uh, you all will be the first to know about it because you'll be getting the rewards. Uh, if you notice at the bottom of our screen here, we 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 changed up the scroller bar here. And on one of the slides, we're, we're asking if anyone wants to support the Everything EOS content, and that includes the developer courses and the proxy, like you're more than happy, we're, we're more than happy to take advertisement or sponsorships from anyone who wants. And if you see our votes changing because you see some sponsor at the bottom of the, the, the screen here, it's going to be completely transparent. We're going to tell you about it before it happens. But at this point yeah, in time, yeah. we have no intentions of like the, these revenue share models with RBPs. Colin Talks Crypto is in the same boat as us, investing with a difference, Luke Stokes. Uh, Brock Pierce one. As far as I know, all of the the block producers I've always liked and trusted, they're on the same page as us. So we're just gonna stick to that. But uh, let's get to the next topic. I've been rambling here, Rob. You kick it off with, with <laughs> yeah, these guys. The, uh, the next topic's also on the block producer front. Uh, so Scatter, arguably one of the uh, most value added teams to the EOS mainnet. That's added so much value. They were really the only wallet, other than I think Gray Mass, that was available at launch. Um, they just launched a block producer candidate and so far are, I believe, almost at 19 million votes in just two days, which is really cool to see. Um, so if you want to vote for Scatter, you can vote for them. Their account is just vote, the number four, and Scatter. Uh, super easy to, to vote for them. Or, of course, as a, uh, a another option, you can just proxy your vote to eeproxy.info, the everything you use proxy, because, uh, Zach, if you want to let everybody know, Scatter is now a part of our proxy voting oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we were the very first, and the blockchain could validate this. We were the very <laughs> first 1 million, like 80,000 votes for uh, vote for Scatter. And that's just because I, I knew he was going to be, in, I knew uh, Rami was going to be tweeting something out over the next like few hours. So I was like, I'm get, I'm, I'm going to front run the news here. I voted for Scatter before anyone did. Uh, so they got our vote uh, immediately upon launch. Uh, we almost had Scatter, uh, Nathan and Rami James. We almost had them on the show at the same time as the announcement. But like since we're doing live streams now, it, it couldn't really line up because uh, Israel's like seven hours ahead of us and it was really uh, late at night. And then obviously we did this podcast today, so we couldn't have Scatter on. But next week sometime, uh, as long as the Scatter guys are still up to it, I don't, I don't know if it'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, but you will most likely see uh, Nathan and Rami James here on Everything EOS for the second time. 
Uh, we're going to talk about all of the new tools coming out with Scatter. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the block producing node. And I think that's the most interesting thing here is because like you said, they are the most one of the most value adding teams to the EOS ecosystem. So all of these vote sharing, puppet voting, like cartels and exchanges, like do you think that they will make an exception for Scatter and have 29 BPs that share their block producer rewards with whoever is running the cartel and then let, let this BP in and not pay them? Or what do you think is going to happen here? Any changes at all? No, I don't think there's any way that that's going to happen, honestly. <laughs> oh, I man. There are big voters within the ecosystem, Bitfinex being one of them that that does vote for a lot of Western BPs. I think it's totally possible that Bitfinex could could add Scatter or the people on Bitfinex could vote for Scatter and then Bitfinex will add them to the proxy. But I think the the probability that the cartel uncartelizes and and frees up a spot for someone else that they're not making money from, I think is pretty, pretty close to zero um, that that happens. What if they, and this is not from the Scatter team, this is from me. Uh, what if they threaten to just shut down support for Scatter if, like, on on the mainnet? I what? mean, the, the wallet's already out there; it's open source. Uh, that would be a really interesting decision, I guess. That would probably end up end end up resulting in their business just being shut down. Uh, but what, what's the revenue model of a wallet? Like, I ask this a lot. Like, it doesn't matter what blockchain it's on. The, there's only like right now for a, a wallet to exist, whether you're Token Pocket, Meet One. I mean, they, they all have ways of generating revenue. Token Pocket just fell out of the uh, paid positions. Meet yeah. One happens to be at the top. But in the in the Colin Talks Crypto video, uh, he, he said that the, the guy from Lambda who was messaging him, he deleted their entire conversation. So Colin was like speaking off memory at this point. And he said like Meet One was one of the BPs that Lambda recommended that they vote for. Now, that doesn't mean that anything's wrong with Meet One. It's a great wallet. It just means that they're probably giving a portion of their block rewards to whoever is running these cartels, and then they're keeping the other percentage of the rewards. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you if you put yourself in the shoes of the cartel that's that's really after this just for, to make as much money as possible, it seems. They're, they're really after the short-term profit versus the long-term value here. If, if some wallet creator comes to them and says, hey, we're going to stop supporting our wallet if you don't vote for us, they're just going to say, okay, that's great. There are plenty of wallets that exist today. Obviously, I think most of us use Scatter, and it would be a real tragedy if they went away. But threatening to shut down a wallet that the cartel probably doesn't care about, I don't think is going to make votes move in, in any kind of direction. Well, I, I think one thing that'll come of this is I don't think that the mainnet is going to be the only uh, block, EOSIO blockchain that they uh, become a block producer candidate on. Hmm. So as far as I know, I don't really use... Talos, but I know that they have uh, a different wallet. It was called whenever I used it, the Squirrel Wallet, or you, you know what it's right. called. They yeah, don't use wallet. they don't use Scatter, uh, and Scatter, as far as I know, they don't go out of their way to support Talos. And I, and I don't know about the other blockchains. I don't know about Wax or Warbly either. But what if like Scatter is running as a no uh, as a block producer candidate on any of those chains, and basically they run on the basis of we'll we'll port our wallet tools to your blockchain and, and give you all of the same functionality that the mainnet receives. And the incentive is to vote vote us in on all of these other uh, sister and side chains. So I think that opportunity is going to be there as well. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see if if running a, a BP on side chains becomes more economical as well. It's, it's something that we looked at just to see, you know, can you make money from running a, a block producer on these side chains? And for the most part, no, at least with our, our infrastructure costs. It may be different for other BPs, but uh, unfortunately, that seems to be the case, and I think that's part of the reason why 
the EOS mainnet itself has been so cartelized is because that right now, in terms of every proof of stake and delegated proof of stake blockchain has the highest return for block producers. It's the most profitable blockchain from a block production value extraction standpoint. So I think, you know, let's say that in a hypothetical scenario that Telos went to $5 and matched the market cap of EOS, I think it would only be a matter of time before a, a cartel sort of spun mm -hmm. up there and it was cartelized as well because boom, there's that source of profit to go to. So I think right now they're sort of immune to that because they don't have the same um, you know, you know, level of profit for those BPs that can be extracted as easily. But in the case that that changes, I think they'll see the same or very similar issues that the EOS mainnet faces today, unfortunately, which is why I think there really needs to be some kind of major um, consensus or vote pay change similar to EOS New York's proposal that hopefully we'll all see soon uh, to really fix some of these issues and change those incentives from the ground up so that the behavior changes as a result. Let's, uh, let's address some of the chat here. Uh, yeah. McCavs fan. The good BPs will head over to becoming DSPs. What do you think? Most of that? likely. I mean, Cypherglass is about to launch our DSP. It's actually up and running now, and we're onboarding uh, our first client, um, basically, to be their backup DSP for VRAM services. So that's super exciting. I think, you know, there's an argument to be made that every BP should have a DSP. Also, it it kind of makes sense. It fits in the stack. Um, so that's something that I definitely, I totally agree with Ms. Casvan. I think that's something that will probably continue to happen, and we'll see more and more people move over to the DAP network. I saw someone, uh, so I think his name, Nick, some, Nick, Nick Flamel, I think his name is. He's oh, one of he, yeah. he, you know, he, the uh, regular, uh, one of the most prominent community members in the Liquid Apps community right now. He posted a tweet the other day uh, after um, Blockstart helped launch Moonlighting. And I think his tweet said something like the Blockstart did more as like a DSP than like a bunch of BPs did on the mainnet yeah. or something. He, he oh, like called them out. Good. Like he, he definitely was pretty harsh on every mainnet BP, but he made a valid point as far as like bringing the technology to an enterprise DAP. Like who else has really done that? Like maybe. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think I think a big reason why is because of the incentive model on the DAP network as a DSP. Obviously, totally complementary to EOS. You need the DAP network and a protocol like EOS to, to you know scale your DAP. It's kind of this layer two scalability platform. So they're not competing in any way. But the incentive models for a DSP versus a block producer make way more sense because you know as a block producer at Cypherglass, we've helped onboard clients onto the EOS mainnet and then sort of hope that we get the votes in return to pay us for that effort. But uh, it really is just a hope, especially when most of the votes are controlled by somebody that, that doesn't care that you're onboarding all of these dApps onto the EOS mainnet. So to go beyond that, when you look at liquid apps and the DSP incentive model and the DAP network, DSPs are incentivized directly to onboard as many dApps as possible, because then those dApps will be paying them directly for their DSP dApp services. So it's really a much better incentive model that should, over time, uh, grow the DAP network at a much faster rate than we've seen on the EOS mainnet. I mean, you know, I'm going to agree with all of this stuff, so I'm not going to uh, argue with you there. And right. uh, I'm just really excited with with uh, teams like EOS Nation, Block Start, Airdrops Stack, but they're all kind of doing their their own things to add value to the network, and all all playing for the same team for the adoption and. Um, Blockstart, we talked about this last week, but they released a like a pay as you go model that's yeah. it was modeled after the the Rex, uh, which is really cool. So it lets um, like on EOS main that like there's there's two ways that you can currently uh, transact with CP. You could either own it with the ownership model, or you could rent it from from Rex. But on on DAP network, it, none of that was available until very recently. 
uh, Blockstart released something. I Shintai is actually uh, the first uh, token that they're putting on Shintai is actually going to be the DAP token for um, oh wow de- for delegating uh, stake to. So awesome. so it'll be like a rental market because rental markets are very much needed because it it it, uh, uh, it, it it's like the difference between owning a. Um, like an office space. Like if, if you're going to open up a restaurant, are you going to sign a lease and, and rent space in a building that previously had a restaurant? Or are you going to buy the whole building for the restaurant? Like most people are going to go with the rental model. So right. uh, Blockster actually just, they put an article out. I don't have the, the link queued up, so I'm not going to pull it up. But it basically talked about how they're able to build, make this model and, and all of the cost savings that they were able to save. Uh, VRAM was able to save them $2,000 a day in, in resource costs. That was one of the things I wow. remember it saying. $2,000 a day in savings? Yeah, if you could talk for a minute, I'll, I'll pull this up. That's crazy. Yeah, go ahead and pull the link up. I mean, it's similar to what we saw with Karma. Uh, when Karma switched over to Liquid Apps DSP services, they started using VRAM or Liquid VRAM, I believe, as it's referred to now. Uh, I, um, I, I got to jump. So that, that, was yeah, a, that was a case study. They, they uh, just for... Clarity, Karma hasn't implemented the, the VRAM yet. That was a case study we oh, did. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, that was a case study we did uh, because Nathan Rempel, who was the CTO of Karma at one point, he's with us at Liquid Apps as one of our engineers now. So uh, okay. he was able to like analyze the smart contract and basically say, if they would implement this stuff, like it would save you that much. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it was amazing talking about the cost savings though. I, I believe it went from that, something like $800 a week to 80 cents a week. Yeah, and Just that, an insane savings. As far as I know, that they're in the process of, of doing all of this stuff. It's just a matter of where right. it fits on their, their roadmap because right. they, they have their own priorities. So I, I just wanted to say that so that we didn't have anyone from the Karma team telling us that we were making things up because we are not. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so I got the scaling decentralized applications up. So I have the article up. I guess, Rob, you probably can't see it, but I'm sure you've seen uh, read it. They said, where is this? What? I'm just going to read it on the screen. What about using RAM instead of VRAM for liquid apps? In that case, the DAP in question was completely non-viable as it would have cost them $2,000 per day for the same <laughs> use case. And then he, he goes into some of these other price things. I'm not, I'm not going to... Uh, read the entire thing, but it reduced startup costs of dApps to zero. And that was from 0.005 per transaction. Uh, and then wow. total transactions after everything ended up being uh, $0.0003 per transaction. So wow. they basically made it so that cost was not a limiting factor at all. And that's for uh, the Moonlighting dApp, which has three quarters of a million users, not all active at any given time but they have tens of thousands active at any given time and they're doing like what i think twenty thousand transactions on the mainnet every day like yeah. through the vram transactions it really is amazing i mean i believe that that number with three zeros and a three is three one hundredths of a penny per uh transaction so you can basically send 33 transactions for a penny which is just it, it's really crazy and really impressive and speaks to the technology uh, over at the dap network and uh i just want to say uh when I talk about DSPs, I don't show any preferential treatment towards any of them. Uh, they just happen to, a lot of people building on DAP Network just happen to all uh, be people building really good stuff. So I just want to throw that out yeah. there that I, I support all, all uh, DSPs equally. Uh, but that that's just me being fair. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of good ones. We have a couple more topics here. Is anyone... 
anything good in the chat? I haven't looked at it in a second. Zeus looks awesome as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so block one. So I took it out of the notes, but did you see what David Moss kind of said about uh, comparing block one to consensus and wanting to spend more and do things like that? Did you see that? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Basically saying that uh, they need to position EOSIO more in marketing as this sort of uh, enterprise tool, because apparently in a lot of the conversations, people are talking about Ethereum and uh, Hyperledger, I guess, from IBM. But it seems like one of those things that's only a matter of time. You know, we're a year into this, and Block One themselves have said that their marketing really hasn't started yet. So I, I would not be surprised to see around the same time the voice marketing starts to happen that they market EOSIO more to those institutions and the people that actually use it. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think they are building stuff behind the scenes. I mean, stuff we know about, like like the uh, the 2.0 that they already said they're doing. We know they're doing voice. But um, just the other day, let me let me pull this up. Did you know that they launched their own cloud? I, I guess you do know because you're in the same conversation when Peter K told us about it. But they launched a cloud IDE. Yeah. And, and they haven't even written a blog about it. They just like secretly... Let me let me pull this up here. Uh, and then IDE, for those that don't know, is a, an integrated development environment. So you can basically do everything in the browser, which is uh, pretty amazing and just makes it that much more accessible for developers to start building dApps on EOSIO. So yeah, I, I have this up on the screen. EOSIO web-based integrated development environment. All of these uh, commits are from like 9 and 11 days ago. But I think uh, this repo just went like public two days ago. I, I think it was like a private repo before. But watch, watch this. I'm going to see if I can get it to work while it's on your screen. Uh, basically, what it, I, you were explaining it, but I was doing something else. Did you kind of explain what a cloud environment yeah, was? Yeah, essentially allows you to, to do a lot of the development in the browser. I think you can even spin up a blockchain in your browser, which I, I believe is That's what exactly what's happening here. on the screen right here. So I just basically, I forked the EOSIO repo on my GitHub, and then I just clicked a button to launch this, this uh, product called... Uh, Gitpod. Now, Gitpod, as far as I know, is not affiliated with Block One, but Block One built this uh, version of the code base in a way that it, it runs seamlessly in this cloud IDE. And, and there's other good cloud IDEs too. So EOS Studio uh, released theirs about two months ago. Uh, but if you see right here, I actually am running uh, my own cloud. EOSIO blockchain, it, it's producing wow. blocks right now. If you could see it on the screen, you could see these these numbers all changing. There's blocks being produced. I, I could run tests from within my browser. I can change code. I can make commits. And one of the coolest things is in the README, uh, the, uh, read it. zero installation is required on the user's machine. Users can simply point their browser to the provided, provided URL below and begin compiling the provided example smart contracts and the associated front-end decentralized application. Uh, this wasn't even the quote I meant to read, I'm sorry. Uh, shoot. It was the one Pete told us yesterday. I don't know where he read that from. I'm just gonna read it from my notes here. It says, I don't, I don't have a way to put it up on screen. Uh, you could also choose to provide multiple developers push access to your personal GitHub fork of this repo to collaborate with them one developer working on the smart contract while the other is working on the front end decentralized application. And each such developer is sharing access to the same forked repo in the cloud. And they'll get their own copy of the EOSIO blockchain components to enable the independent development. So it allows teams to work in parallel very efficiently. So 
anyone complaining about like block one? I mean, there's there's a lot to complain about. I'm not going to say you shouldn't complain, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. There, there's plenty to complain about. I don't want to blow I smoke mean, here, but this is an awesome tool. Complain about it. you can find a reason to complain about anything if you really want to. It's just a matter of how you want to live your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what was the other thing that came out that everyone's raving about? This Lamington thing. So oh yeah, th- there's a new blog series from Block One. They posted a tweet. Uh, it, it's similar to their built on EOS IO series, which we've been seeing for a while now, but they started a new series called EOS IO tools. That's like their hashtag, very original. Uh, but they released something called Lamington smart contract development and about three or four different developers that I'm close with are super, super stoked about it. Peter K, uh, the, the instructor for everything is developer courses, liquid apps, uh, I don't even know what his title is there, to be honest. Uh, but he, he said that it, it's going to save him a crap load of time in smart contract development and testing and with a bunch of uh, helpers for like table lookups and stuff. I, I, I don't know the exact details, but this tool is super cool. So any developer watching this, I highly, check out, I highly recommend you check out eos.io front slash news. And then it's the most recent blog article. It has all of the links there. I, I requested to join the Slack. They're, they didn't have a lot of information on the website. So everything I gathered from, was from their uh, GitHub and then this blog article. Uh, we're at the end here, Rob. What, what, what do we do now? What do we do now? Uh, I think it's time to wrap it up, probably. I'm going to post a link um, in the chat here to the POS wallet. This is from their uh, official GitHub repo. So I'll put a link to that for those that want. I know somebody just asked. Uh, so you can check it out. It is in beta, but uh, I've tried it out. I did a whole video on it on the Cypherlash channel, and uh, it seems to work well. So, Joe, I recognize it. Joe, Joe Langenbrunner in the chat. Do we know you? Have I ever met you in real life? Sorry. <laughs> I think this guy applied to ICO Alert. I th- wasn't that the guy that did the, the Bitcoin ATMs? Sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, know, everyone. Right, yeah, this, this is a bit of a tangent. I think, okay, so we got the POs. I, I still have my blockchain running. I'll oh, shut this me. down. Uh, whatever. Uh, I, I was probably thinking of a different Joe. I think this guy might be different. I feel like an idiot now. All right, so <laughs> how do we close this out? I'm out of my notes and I'm just rambling here. I think we just got to say, we'll see you next time. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I'm Rob Finch. And I'm Zach Go. And this, this is everything EOS. Go Eos. Go Eos! Leave a Go Eos in the chat. We'll see you next time. See you guys next week.